Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. WorldCoin. So Sam Altman's crypto project, WorldCoin, launched World Token and Mainnet today. Developers now have access to WorldCoin software development kit so they can start creating apps that use the World ID. That's the project's identity protocol. The introduction of the token also means that the project is finalizing its migration to optimism. And on all of this news, the token has spiked 20% on some major exchanges. Will, I'm going to kick it off to you. We've been following the WorldCoin story for what feels like a really long time now. We have a launch on Mainnet. We have a token. What are you thinking this morning? I'm thinking I'm rich because I bought a bunch of WorldCoin token. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't purchase any of it. No financial advice on the hash. And I don't think, I don't know. I don't know why this is actually pumping right now. I guess just because of the news, a headline, we see token go up when there's a headline. This project has been out for a while, but they haven't launched the token yet. So that's probably why all this is going on. 20% isn't as big a bump I thought it would go up, I suppose. Wendy would have more insights into this a little bit. Oh, you're giving me a weird face there. Um, no, because I was looking at crypto bubbles. Um, I absolutely love them. You guys should check it out. I'm not sponsored or affiliated with them anyway. I just think it's a really dope free product. But I'm looking at it. I, don't need, I just see the market looks like absolute trash this morning. And <laughs> I'm trying to see what's going on with Bitcoin. I didn't get a chance to check on any trades or anything. But again, like a 20% pump is a bear market pump to me. It's not too terribly exciting. It's fun for people that are actively trading. But yeah, Bitcoin's dumping and we just broke below um, 29 three support, which was important. So that mm. makes sense why the market's gross. But Will, can you tell me a little bit more about WorldCoin? Because as far as I know, it's like a very centralized project that's basically going to um, destroy humanity. What would you like to know, Wendy? Uh, so it is an interesting project, right? The idea is to pair WorldCoin with this AI project, or at least that's sort of the ambition here. So Sam Altman is also the uh, founder of OpenAI, and he's been working in the AI scene for quite some time. And the issue a lot of these AI founders see with AI is the fact that you have a hard time knowing who's human and who's a computer. And this project has the idea that if we are able to scan every single person that exists into the orb and control their data, 
well, then we'll have a better chance of understanding who's a human and who's not because we'll have a central database with all their information inside this. And then there's an associated token. I don't actually quite get the token part of this. Maybe it's just for like the transacting side of things. Maybe it's to get people to sign up, but there's some sort of utility involved with it. But that's sort of the, the basis of it, right? So a lot of times we do see people talk about AI and crypto and there's like absolutely zero correlation. And we saw a lot of those tokens pump earlier in this year when ChatGPT went off bigly. But now we actually have more of a clear case here where people are like, hey, we can actually use some tokenomics to understand who's a human and who's not in the world of AI. And that's what they're trying to do here with this ambition. Of course, it's getting pushed back very heavily by the crypto community, specifically the Bitcoin community, and also Vitalik Buterin, who is the co-founder of Ethereum, saying there's a lot of centralization concerns here. A lot of Bitcoiners look at this as a dystopian project that brings about a lot of the big brother concerns people have about CBDCs and the US government and introducing any sort of fiat government onto token rails. This is like a privatized version of it. And then there's like some Terminator stuff thrown in there. Throw it back to you, Wendy. Um, since when did the Bitcoin maxis actually care about privacy and self-sovereignty and powering the underdogs? Because it seems like they just care about buying Bitcoin holding and then absolutely trashing anybody with the difference of opinion of them. So I don't know about that. I don't I don't I feel like if um, WorldCoin did something positive for Bitcoin, um, the maxis would be all on board and they would be right in that grift, just like the rest of us, man. Jen? All right. I want to add some more information here. So before the whole AI thing happened, WorldCoin existed, right? But they existed because they were talking about universal basic income. They were going to take this orb to every nook and cranny of the world. They were going to scan your retina and then you were going to get this token that you could use. And it was going to be able to solve this universal basic income challenge that they saw ahead of us. Then the whole AI conversation happened. Of course, Sam Altman founded ChatGPT and now all of a sudden WorldCoin presents a solution for the AI challenges ahead of us. And then for Vitalik's blog this morning, I just skimmed it, Will, but I, I think that Vitalik was largely in support of WorldCoin and proof of personhood, but outlined these four challenges that we're going to talk about in the next part of the segment. So he said, you know, proof of personhood is needed as we move forward, as we continue to develop with AI, but there are privacy, accessibility concerns, security concerns. And there was one more, let me just see, and centralization concerns. And the most interesting centralization piece from this that Vitalik brought up was the fact that there are these like physical orbs, right? We can't go in and verify how the physical orbs are made. And what he's saying in his blog is the WorldCoin Foundation could potentially make up fake human identities if there's no way to verify how these devices are made. And so there's like a lot to discuss and unpack here. And I think there are a lot of challenges that we don't really even understand when we think about them, you know, the different, I guess, aspects and areas of them. And so it's just like a lot to wrap my head around this morning. I feel like we need a dedicated show just to discuss all the aspects of WorldCoin because it just seems so intense. Like, like on my show today, we're going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it today and I don't have enough time. I feel like I need to dedicate an entire show just to talk about how detrimental it is and how ridiculous it is. And like, I don't know. I just feel like it's all kind of ironic or I guess interesting timing because of the Fed Now program that just dropped and all of that drama, Jen. I don't know. I think it's detrimental and problematic, but this like proof of personhood thing is really interesting in a world of AI. I think that there is something there. So I see all of the challenges, but I also see the, the problems that they're trying to solve. I think that's important to say. Well, there's a few cool things that Vitalik does point out in here. And, and this, this proof of personhood idea has been tried many times in crypto and it's been tried on different levels in crypto. 
The first one was basically governance, right? So in some protocols early days, they had this idea of like carbon voting, where if you held a coin, then that probably meant you were a human and then you'd be able to vote on behalf of a project using the representation of your token holdings as a vote. You didn't sign over your keys, but you did give a proof of your keys to be able to show that you were a human who's interacting with the protocol. The thing is, all these things are very gameable at the end of the day. And so they all start breaking down. And so people have tried this in many ways. And the Orb coin idea sort of takes on this the idea of, hey, let's use hardware and scan everyone into this database. And we'll use some sort of proof to be able to solve the data issue here that like if you get leaked or hacked or whatever, you don't lose everyone's data. But then you can actually prove that everyone's human. The problems that Vitalik raises are that hardware is really tough, right? We've seen stuff with Ledger. We've seen stuff with others in the past where they've had issues. And that just happens, right? Like no company is perfect. No hardware company is perfect. It's very difficult to make these things. And so you have to put an enormous amount of trust, not only in the design that someone's not messing up by accident, but also in the designers that they're not messing up on purpose or someone's not doing something nefarious. And so that places a lot of trust in the WorldCoin Foundation's hands, and that could lead to some problems down the road. So I wholeheartedly agree with Vitalik on this subject here. I think it's something to take into consideration if you do choose to pursue getting scanned in the face with an orb. I think I said this last time we spoke about WorldCoin. But when things are made easier for people, they go out and do things without thinking. Like we scan our biometric data to surpass the line at the airport and no one thinks what's going to happen with this information I'm giving people. They just think like, I want to get to the front of the line. I want to get on my plane. I don't want to be inconvenienced in my life any further. And so I think that these challenges that we're talking about right now are super important. We have to talk about them. I care about them. I know you guys care about them and everyone else does. But I think as things are made easier, and maybe you get rewarded and incentivized to give out this very important data. People are going to do it. But I think we should say the token WorldCoin is not available in the US right now. And I believe that some Coindesk journalists tried to access the white paper this morning from a few different countries, Italy, the UK, Greece, and one more. And they were not able to because it was geofenced. We asked one of the core team members on First Mover this morning why that was. And they said it was just a, a technical glitch and it should be available for people soon. So we will see if that happens. Wendy, any, any final thoughts on this? You know what? I'm sorry. That's a very poor excuse. Everybody should have access to that literature. That's a whole purpose of decentralization, which WorldCoin is not. And you guys, we must resist this Resist stuff. the orb. Resist the we orb. We need like a bumper sticker or like a Twitter hashtag or an X hashtag. We'll get to that story next though. On the, yeah. on the topic of the orb though, another one of Vitalik's points is, you know, how are we actually going to get this orb to so many different places to actually get people to scan their eyeballs and get them into the system? It's, I think that's, you know, another difficulty. How are we going to get these orbs to every different place on this earth? I don't know if we have an answer to that yet. Tuesday's top story. All right, we're going to get into the top stories of the day, starting with Doge. Dogecoin surged 10% this week on the back of X payment speculation. Crypto traders are buying up Dogecoins in hopes that the token has a future in facilitating payments on Twitter. Of course, we know Twitter rebranded as X recently with the goal of becoming an everything app for content communications and Payments in the past 24 hours, though, Doge is up just over 2%. Wendy, I heard that sigh. It is really becoming a marker of your presence here on the show. So I'm going <laughs> to kick it off to you. So this is the thing. Not everybody can see me because I know all of you are not only watching 
Coindesk TV is a hash, but you're also listening to us on the podcast network. So I've got to put in a little bit of extra emotion so you guys know exactly where I stand. Just entertainment, right? When we're talking about Dogecoin, okay, this story is actually indicating to me what type of market we are in. A lot of people say we're in a bull market or we're on the cusp of a bull market, but this is very much bear market price action. If we're in a bull market and Elon Musk tweeted anything about Dogecoin, we would have seen like a 69% pump or something absolutely insane. I remember those TikTok days. I remember yelling at my TikTok babe saying, guys, take profit. Elon's going to dump on you. And most of them didn't. So to me, this is just kind of indicating what type of market we're in due to the market sentiment. A 10% pump. Okay, kind of cool. Great. Fantastic. But at the same time, it's not really bull market stuff yet. It is up like 10% this month, though, and up 4% today, which is good stuff. So, Wendy, we got to take our profit through ACM. We also got to give our praise to the market where we see it. And we love this bit. And this kind of follows on the stuff we've seen with Dogecoin and Elon Musk in the past, right? There's some Tesla stuff there. You can buy a Tesla with Dogecoin, or at least at one point you were able to. A few other products in the Elon Musk assembly of businesses he's runs has some sort of Dogecoin integration into it. And now people are speculating that, hey, you know, Twitter's doing the whole rebrand thing. They're turning to the X app, the everything app. Why wouldn't they just put Dogecoin into this somehow? Well, the answer to that might just be like securities regulations, and they might not be able to just, you know, staple this all together. Maybe on the back end, like in a business to business, I'd say be able to do that. But I have a hard time believing they could do it on the other side of things, especially after we've seen all the sentiment from the SEC. I feel like Elon doesn't love the SEC. and He's not going to want to run into that again. But there is always a price for comedy and he always likes to run into that. So perhaps he'll go for it. Jen? Yeah, I think we also have to remember the Domus drama with Apple, right? That was all about crypto payments for content on this decentralized app. And if Twitter or X now is envisioning a future where people can be like tipping or sending Doge to each other, it's not only the regulators they have to watch out for, it's also the platform providers, the app stores like uh, Apple and Google. The story uh, notes analysts and some speculation over what Doge could be used for. On Twitter, one of the notes in the article says that advertisers could be able to pay Doge for ads. And I think, what a great future. Can you imagine these brands having Doge on their balance sheets and using it on a platform called X to pay for advertisements? I think it's kind of hilarious, but we should think back to a report that came out in January that talked about Elon's vision for the future. And yes, crypto payments are there, but fiat is first. And honestly, when I think about paying for things on Twitter, I feel like fiat's going to be a little bit easier. If we're talking about, you know, the masses paying for things, I think fiat's going to be easier, but I see the long-term vision here. Wendy? Two things. I don't know if you guys remember the bear market, the 2018, 20, when all, all that stuff was happening, but we had tip bots on Twitter then. You can send people mm-hmm. XRP. I used to kind of troll with people. Um, there's a bunch of other coins that you can, you could, you know, tip people then. So we had those capabilities. People forget about it. Where are all the tip bots at? Come on, guys. Also, too, now people are finally seeing what is available on TikTok. On TikTok, you could take fiat currency, you could buy these cute little stickers, and you can go ahead and tip your favorite. TikToker while they're live streaming, while they say gang gang, ice cream, yum yum, cowboy hat, swag. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that video of me, but it's basically the same thing. Like if you you can take your crypto asset and you can convert it into these little stickers and then like to people and it could be like stuff. So 
I feel like the opportunities are endless. The only problem we are having is, is with the SEC, and that's why we need to restructure the SEC. Restructure it so we can have uh, more ice cream stuff online when you order that. <laughs> Say yum, yum, Will. Yum, yum. Oh, gosh. I didn't you think he like was going to do it with, this, with, with no resistance. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting to hear an immediate <laughs> yum, yum. I love that. I've said this on the show before, but in the last bull market, when brands were experimenting with accepting Doge, there was one big brand that came out and said they were accepting Doge payments. And I won't say who it is, but I did ask their PR company, how many people have paid with Doge? And the answer was none. So that was in the bull market. We are now at the bear market. I hope things can change because I, I got to say, you know, got to support the doggy coins, the memes. I love it. Wednesday's top story. Binance, some big news coming out of Binance. They plan to re-enter Japan in August. This is made possible by the exchange's purchase of regulated exchange, Secura Exchange Bitcoin, all while the firm withdraws its German crypto license application. I feel like Binance has been doing a little bit of a regulatory dance in which countries they're deciding to operate in and which ones they are deciding to pull out from. Uh, I could take it if that's okay. We're seeing Binance pulling out of the German market or rather stopping its attempt to get back into that market at the same time as it's going right back into the Japanese market that it left two years ago. So it's not so much a decision of Binance as to whether it should or shouldn't play as it is the regulator's decision. In Germany, it seems to have read the writing on the wall and decided, well, we're not going to make it through here. Just like in uh, now Belgium and the Netherlands and Austria, we're going to stop applying for this license and get out of Dodge before the regulator tells us to hit the road. Whereas in Japan, after two years of non-compliance or being on the sideline, Binance has succeeded in getting back into that market after getting the proper regulatory clearance. So Will, I'll throw it over to you. What's your take? Binance is making moves. So we have this announcement with Japan. We'll talk about the one in Germany in a second. Japan news, of course, is huge. Japan's one of the largest economies in the world. And the fact that it's been very difficult for Binance to enter into that area after the two-year hiatus uh, just speaks to the fact that the Japanese regulators have taken crypto very seriously. Uh, huge anecdote here within this realm is FTX Japan. When it was forced to wind down with the shutter of FTX Global, all the users of FTX Japan got their money outright. Uh, they just easily liquidated it. Everything was done correctly and securely for users, so no one took any losses. That's compared to a lot of the other FTX global institutions that were out there and the FTX US and FTX International, which are still going through the Chapter 11 proceedings and people are you know, crossing their fingers that they get 10 cents on the dollar. And I think that just speaks to how Japan has taken regulation very seriously. Uh, they are focused on reserves. They are focused on making sure that everyone who comes into Japan, into the digital asset sector, does register with the government so they have a face to the business that's operating here. Binance had to pull out two years ago, and now they're going to be able to step in by purchasing another exchange. And this is a pretty common tactic, right? Where you maybe don't want to go through like all the heaps, uh, all the hurdles and leaps to be able to get into a new jurisdiction. So you go and purchase someone who already has all the licensing, and then you just replace the business entirely with your own. And that's what it looks like here. Pretty smart move. I don't know if we brought up the Germany news, but I might just bring it up anyways, which is Binance is pulling out of Germany after deciding that it doesn't want to pursue its licensing with Boffin, Germany's financial provider. This, of course, follows after their decision to move out of both Netherlands and a few other countries within Europe uh, due to stricter licensing regimes. 
in those countries. Jen? I think Binance's lawyers are very, very hard at work here at trying to navigate, of course, the lawsuit in the U.S., but also figuring out where they can operate without being struck down by the financial regulators there. There are some comments in the article on Germany that said the situation both in the global market and regulation has changed significantly. Binance still intends to apply for appropriate licensing in Germany, but it is essential that our submission accurately reflects these changes. I feel like there are some strategic decisions being made here. Will, just like you mentioned, you know, the acquisition of a firm that's already regulated in Japan is a nice way for Binance to continue operating in some way, shape or form in the country. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of weighing of the pros and cons of staying in certain countries and leaving certain countries or staying on the sidelines and waiting to see what regulators are going to do in certain jurisdictions. I think it's important to note in June, CZ said that France will remain the flagship center in Europe for Binance. And that's despite the money laundering probe that's going on there. Um, I think that's kind of indicative of how exchanges might be looking at the European Union under the new regulation that's coming out. Of course, once there was new regulation in the EU in 2024, exchanges or firms will just need one license to operate across the entire block, which I think will be interesting. I think we're going to see maybe even more exchanges flock to Europe and try try and get licensed there. But that's my take on Binance. You know, they're still keeping their head above water despite these these headlines that come out with them. I would say like, you know, on a weekly basis now, more than a weekly basis. Danny, any final words here? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of headlines that you don't want to see if you're an exchange operator. But mm -hmm. in the German market specifically, for those who are already in the door, they seem to be getting a little more bullish. Just yesterday, Coinbase announced that it would uh, list a number of tokens, including Arbitrum's token and Helium's token in uh, Germany for its German customers. You know, that's not a game-changing business decision, but it does indicate that their lawyers and their teams have decided that in the environment in Germany is uh, is well enough for them to move ahead with these token listings. So they're trying to capitalize on this market that Binance has decided it, it can't play in. So we are seeing this reshuffling globally. It makes you wonder if Coinbase can and will grow to the point that Binance plays, where it really is the, the keeper of the gates, the, the gatekeeper, if you will, for uh, uh, global crypto volumes. I don't know if we'll get there anytime soon, but I'm sure that Brian Armstrong would like that mantle. All right, we will have to wait and see what happens there. Thursday's top story. We got two headlines with SBF, so stick with us. The first, uh, the Department of Justice is looking to end SBF's time in his parents' basement and put him to jail because he might be tampering with witnesses. That's according to allegations from the Department of Justice, which is seeking right now for SBF to be put in jail until his trial in October. Uh, the second headline we have for you is that uh, FTX will not be, or Sam Bankman-Fried rather, will not be charged for campaign finance charges after the extradition from the Bahamas. If you remember, he was extradited from the Bahamas, uh, and there was like five original accounts. And then later, the Department of Justice brought up multiple others. But according to extradition treaties, can't do that. Can't just be slapping on more uh, things you're going to charge someone with. And so they're going to have to pull those back after an agreement with the Bahamas. So two fresh SBF headlines this morning. The first one's pretty interesting, tampering with witnesses. Some thoughts on that. He's had over 500 different calls uh, with uh, Michael Lewis, who's writing a book on him, and then 100 different 
calls with a New York Times reporter that actually released a story relating to his former girlfriend, Caroline Ellison, which is sort of revolving around this whole uh, recent news with the Department of Justice. Can I throw this one back to you, Jen? Former girlfriend and former CEO of Alameda Research, those diary entries leaked on the New York Times. Uh, she was saying, you know, she didn't feel fit to be in the position that she was in. She also spoke about um, some of the inner drama that was going on between the two companies. One of my takeaways from this is don't write your innermost thoughts on a Google document. Very surprised to see tech savvy people writing things like this on Google documents that can be accessible by uh, many. But I think this is Sam Eggman-Fried again, trying, desperately trying to control the narrative, I must say, allegedly, because his defense, I believe, is saying that he did not leak these diary entries to the New York Times. And I'm surprised that it's continuing on. I, every time I talk about the story, I have to bring up that Sam Eggman-Fried is living with his parents and both of his parents are lawyers. And we just see these very, very surprising actions come from him time and time again. He hasn't been jailed yet. So the timeline here is a quick one. I believe the DOJ has until Friday to make a formal written submission in this request to have him jailed until his trial. The defense can respond until Tuesday. And then by the end of next week, we'll have a final response. It would be an interesting turn of events to see him move from his parents' house to a prison until that October trial. Anna, what do you think? Well, uh, I was appalled when, by the story of, of the diary published. Yeah, regardless who uses what for diaries, uh, if the allegations of the DOJ that it was Sam Bankman-Fried who leaked Caroline Ellison's diary to, to the press, if that's true, I think it's absolutely damning. As a woman, I would uh, want my, uh, my ex-boyfriend jailed uh, for that. But that's beyond the point. Here, so yeah, I guess it's just a continuation of uh, uh, of this uh, story of uh, SBF being the main bad boy of crypto. Yeah, it would definitely be a new development. So just to fact check, Jen, he has been in j jail once, right? He in the Bahamas, he was that's true. In jail, but he's not been in Bad U.S. prison, right? Know. So you're you're correct. They're awaiting news on that. The uh, prosecutors and the judges have a few days to go through all this. The defendants are also looking at it. For right now, it looks like there is some sort of uh, tape, for lack of a better word, over SPF's mouth. He's not able to speak to anyone in the meantime. They're looking at possibly extending that further by placing him in prison. He has his first set of going to court in October and then follow up in March as well on some different allegations. Some big news there. I want to go over to the extradition treaty. This is sort of an interesting thing, I think, in terms of crypto. The fact that we have borderless money, but that doesn't mean that the law is necessarily borderless. The U.S. was going after SBF for a lot of different things, right? From securities violations to wire transfer, uh, and then even the things that they just dropped were dealing with campaign finance laws, right? Where SBF and a lot of his executives gave a ton of money to different politicians, and they broke campaign finance laws by not only using money that was essentially taken from customers, but also, I believe, by just like giving too much money to certain candidates. Those allegations are being dropped right now by the Department of Justice. And that's because of the extradition treaty. So back when he was first extradited to the, the United States, or extradited to the United States, he was only charged with about five different violations, uh, including like wire fraud and securities fraud. And the other allegations and uh, points were brought against him afterwards, after he's brought back to the United States. But because of his extradition treaty, they had to drop 
bunch of these. I've already seen some people on Twitter talking about this, saying that like this isn't fair. He should be you know, prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But I think it's just fair to point out like there's extradition treaties for a reason. These things exist. And no matter what, you have to abide by them. That's just how it works. So that is why those different points are being dropped. Jen? Yeah, I think your your point is fair there. Uh, the, the law exists for a reason and they are operating within the law. That is not to say that there are not several very damning charges that Sam Bankman-Fried is still facing. And so this this campaign finance charge is not the only one, right? So he's still facing many, many years behind bars if um, indicted. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.